Welcome to the Movie John Podcast Network. Let's hear a Disney Channel podcast. Let's hear a Disney Channel podcast. Do you want to hear a Disney Channel podcast? Let's hear a Disney Channel podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disney Deviants. I'm Adesa Woko. And I'm Taiwo Shokong. And this week, we watched an extra special OG decom. This Ooh. week, we watched Miracle on Lane 2, starring the Frankie Muniz. Come on now. Wow. This one was came to us via the year 2000. Yeah. And... Um, Adesa, what's your history with this one? My history with this movie is that when I tried to introduce it last week, I said, a sequel? (laughs) Oh, Oh, I forgot about that. Because I literally have never heard of this movie, have never seen this movie. In fact, I thought it was going to be a bowling movie. Should we start predicting what we think movies are going to be about (laughs) for the next week? Yeah, especially if we don't have any history with them. Yeah, because I for sure thought it was going to be a bowling movie, and that was not the case. So that is my history with it. Well, what is your history with Miracle in Lane 2? Okay, my whole family loves this movie. Yeah? Okay. We watched this movie, probably not like right when it came out or anything, because I don't think we had cable then. But we for sure watched this movie. And we loved it. And um, we love Frankie Muniz in this house. We love Frankie um, Muniz in this house. <laughs> but I remember watching this and like crying Aww. while watching it. Like yeah. this was one of those really like uplifting, you can do anything movies. I mean, just the ending alone. Just right? the ending alone. So like if this movie like has, I I don't remember all of the storyline. Like when I was watching it, I thought it, I didn't realize it was soapbox racing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I, I remembered it just being like race cars. Oh, so um, watching it now, I was like, oh, it's soapbox racing, which I still don't really know what that is. But <laughs> it's real. Or it still is a thing um, like that is yeah. still happening in this. I meant to actually search that. So maybe I'll search that while we're doing this but yeah i have lots and lots of history i've watched this movie many times growing up and yet for some reason in my head it has always been race cars that's so funny yeah and we're now in that that era this is the era when disney channel was making movies based on real stories that they thought were uplifting and um really inspiring to children yeah um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, soapbox racing very much is still a thing that still oh, wow. happens. And every year, Red Bull hosts the Red Bull soapbox <gasps> race at least once a year. So sometimes it could be more than once. What? Yeah, like there wow. are lots of races scheduled for this year, actually. Wow. And all over the world. There are some in South Africa, in um, Saudi Arabia, the UK, all around the world. This is crazy. It really, watching this, it felt like a relic of the past. It really did. It felt like pre-cell phone times. Yeah. So, I mean, they said car phones. And I straight up was like, okay. Yeah. I know where we are. Yeah. (laughs) No one is carrying cell phones. (laughs) So let's go ahead and put 30 seconds each on the clock. And we will try to summarize this movie in one minute and see how it goes. I think... I'm sick, Taiwo. I'm really sick because we we do this every week. We do this every week. Why don't you start? Okay. 
Oh gosh, what was his name? Josh Yoder? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we actually check that because if it's not Josh and I'm just saying a thing, I'm going to be pissed it's, at myself. It sounds right. It feels right. Miracle too. Here we go. It is Justin Yoder. Oh, nope. I'm so glad I checked. Oh. oh, yeah. Just in time. Just, yeah, you're right. Just in time. I was wrong okay. when I said, yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So I'm putting 30 seconds on the clock. Great. It's there. So we start off this movie and we see Justin Yoder, who is a child who is in a wheelchair. He has spina bifida um, and he's been in a wheelchair all his life. And he is trying to win this bet with his brother where he says he will win a trophy by the end of the summer. And so he's trying to do all these sports and trying to find out all these like different ways to win a trophy. And then he stumbles upon soap soapbox racing because his neighbor, who's like really mean, um, uh, he stumbles into his what is it? His shed after being forced to help him clean up his house after destroying his car. And so he sees this video of his daughter soapbox racing. Ooh. Okay. I feel like I'm well set up. So let me try to organize my mind and bring us home. Okay. So Justin starts up box racing and he's getting gradually and gradually better. Meanwhile, his brother Seth is getting very jealous of the amount of time his father is spending with him, but that's an aside. So Justin is getting better and better and better. And during a qualifying race on his final race that would qualify him for the finals, he has um, like an episode and he has to go to the hospital and they think he's going to die. But the person who beats him in the race ends up having to drop out of the race. So Justin goes to nationals. Despite them trying to sabotage him, he ends up winning the whole thing and becomes the first this, uh, person with a disability to race a soapbox. No, to win. To, to win, race period. and then to win. Oh, also to... Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. There you have it. <laughs> so we, we did it. We made it happen. We did. And it didn't feel very stressful. It didn't, actually. And I think we hit the main things. Yeah. And I think that that's the, like, beauty of a movie that's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you're not trying to figure out what all the little side stories are because there aren't yes this, like someone's real life i feel like of. you're already getting into your quick quick impressions time why don't you take that home well i will you know what i will yeah you should um i really really like this movie felt so the, the just the overall quality of this movie felt so much better than I think we're used to for Disney Channel original movies. And I 100% think that it's because it was based on a true story. I think having that, like it really felt like we were streamlined and it actually felt like they needed that. They felt the need to put in extra stuff because there was a very streamlined story they were telling. And I'll get into that. Sure. Talking about it. What sure. about you? Yeah, my quick impression of this is that, you know, the original DCOMs really thrive when they pick a place and stick to it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, like, this one is so focused on the family and the family dynamics. Like, I find that other ones try so hard to also create really intense, specific dynamics between the racers, between the competition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, this one... I feel like was super duper grounded and yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to not give too much away in my quick, in my quick, you know, um, but this one was super duper grounded and I think that that worked really well in its favor and that is my quick impression. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, as usual, didn't take any notes. Okay. And as usual, I took several. Yes. And I want to say that something that I really felt myself braced against in this movie that I think somehow mm-hmm. this movie subverted in a way that I would like to talk about 
is I feel like this movie somehow masterfully subverted the magical Negro stereotype. Oh, child. I'm so glad you said something. I'm so glad. I wrote that down too. I think that was one of my notes was that I had a fear. I was like, oh, please don't let this be the magical Negro. Yeah. Like, and then I wrote another note where I said, oh, and it wasn't. You know, like, mm-hmm. I really feel, I like, I, I wish I could put into words. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that we got to see Vic as a human being too. Yeah. And not just as a person who is only there for Justin's development. Yeah. Like, I literally was bracing myself because I said, please, God, let this not be the case. And it wasn't. And it's it's sad because, again, I think the only reason that is, is because this was based on a true story. Like, he really exists. That was really Justin's neighbor who helped him get into soap soapbox racing. So I, I think they were forced to give him a real character and not resort to that trope just because he truly existed and he actually did affect Justin's life in the way that he affected it. And it's sad that people can't look at this and, like, just do that. Mm-hmm. Generally. For real, yeah. Mm. It's really sad. Yeah. And I, I did write that down and, like, a couple, I think, maybe 45 minutes into this, I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't the magical Negro. This is great. This is just a man who is also going through his own shit. Yeah. Who, um who doesn't even necessarily want to be there, but but him helping Justin is also helping him. And yeah. well, he's helping Justin, and Justin is also helping him. Yeah. There's like a mutual... Um, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like my biggest thought through... I mean, I have other big thoughts, but I, I feel like your notes will address it, so please take us away, <laughs> Captain Taiwo. First off, I this is like not even a know about the movie itself, but... I looked this up because I was trying to figure out um, how I was going to fit in working out and watching this movie today and talking about it, right? And so every place I looked said that this movie was two hours long. Ooh. Every single place says that this movie is two hours long. That's shocking. Even when you go on Disney Plus. When you go on Disney Plus and you click on it, it says two hours. And then I started playing the movie and I was like, this is an hour and a half. What the fuck? Why did it so take I, two hours for you? That's so shocking. It didn't say that know. for me. It said that for me. And so I went in this with a completely different attitude. I was like, God, this better be a good fucking movie because two hours is simply too long for a Disney <laughs> Channel original. Yeah. Um, so I was yeah, really, really glad. Yeah, mine says 129. Mine literally says two hours. I was gobsmacked. That's shocking. <laughs> so um, so there, there's that. That's a shocking but, one of the first things that I said was, I know the mom from somewhere. Yes. And I looked her up later, and I know her from Unfabulous. Exactly. That's, she played the fuck out of being a mom mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. She really did. Day after day. It's Unfabulous. <laughs> unfabulous. Everyone um, around me is unbearable. I'm oh, yeah. gonna be the one unflappable. Unsta- better oh. on. I thought that was unflappable. I think Wait, unstoppable right. was the it first one. I think it's like, Day after day, it's unstoppable. No, yeah, and everyone ne- around me is unbearable. You're right, you're right, you're right. I'm gonna be the one. Maybe we shouldn't be singing this. <laughs> I think we might get sued by Nickelodeon. You know what? We're already gonna get sued by Disney for our theme song. So you can't because it's um commentary. <laughs> yeah, we just commenting, and we don't even make money off of this. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so that was the first thing that I that I saw, and I was like, I just know her from somewhere. It was nibbling at me the whole time, but I wouldn't let me look. I wouldn't let myself look up everyone until afterwards. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Um, I wonder what she's up to now. I actually went to her website. She she has a website website. She has a website website, and I think it's just her name. Like I think it's Molly Hagen. God, Molly. Yeah, MollyHagen.com. And she, uh, I don't know how, the most recent post I saw was about Betty White. And I think it was right after Betty White passed. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to assume it was from 2021. Okay. No, she's still working. And I think that really what it is, is I I just haven't encountered the work that she's been in. Hmm. You know, like she's doing something. She's, she was on 46 episodes of Walker, which I think is like the Walker Texas Ranger series, like a, like a, an adaptation mm-hmm. of the Walker Texas Ranger series or something. Um, but I could be wrong. I'm just, I'm just making stuff up. I see a cowboy hat <laughs> and I see the name Walker and I'm, I'm just putting seven and seven together. But oh yeah, God, she's no. been in so much. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like she has the level of, you know, work and notoriety that I aspire to in that she's been in a lot of things. Oh, she was in Big Little Lies. Was she? Yeah, she was Dr. Moriarty, but she was only in two episodes. Wow, she was in Jane the Virgin. Wow, seven episodes. Oh, girl, she be working. She be working. And it's when she has one of those faces that when you see her, you're like, I recognize you. Yeah. But you just can't, you're like, but from what? But and from it's because what? she's been in so much. But I definitely recognize her the most from um, Unfabulous. The next thing that I wanted to say is when God showed up and it was a mechanic yes. or the race car driver in their world. Um, I just thought that was hilarious. Yes. Oh, I guess. Wait, actually, my first question, and I probably should have looked this up, was was this based on like a memoir or something that he wrote? Ooh. Because the... The narration, this movie has so much narration, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. And that actually was one thing that I was like, God, I hope this isn't the whole movie. Because oh, I, I don't really remember. It. I liked it. I did like it, but at, I think about 30 minutes in and we were still like, there was a point where it just felt like it was mostly narration. Yeah. Okay. And there was very little like people actually talking and interacting with each other. Yeah. And I was like, God, if this is the whole movie, I'm actually going to be really upset. Like, I don't remember it being all narration. Yeah, that's fair. That's valid. That's valid. Yeah, I was wondering if it was um, actually had something to do with a memoir that he might have written. Let's look on that. I'm looking, but I'm not seeing any sort of memoir. Okay, that's very interesting. It just felt like, I think the narration just felt so much like, or maybe Justin Yoder just had a really, like, big hand in helping them write the script like maybe they did interviews with him mm-hmm. and they because just the way that he talked was so specific yeah that i was just like this can't be just like the way that some screenwriter decided to write this kid right mm-hmm. they had to have talked to him or something right i wouldn't be surprised if it was though just the writing really yeah because God. i think that it was so stylistically specific and just built around gags you know what I mean? Like the whole mm-hmm. family court sequence, all mm-hmm. the sequences with God. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like this movie was written by someone who, like, it feels like it was written by an older person, but not mm-hmm. in an aged way. Does Am I making sense? Yeah. Um, It was Greg Beeman. I don't know who that is, but Greg Beeman did it. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I wonder how old Greg Beeman was when he wrote this movie. Like, some of the jokes that Justin would say, you Mm -hmm. know, or or not even jokes, even the comebacks. Like, when Seth says, "Uh, I wish you were never born, and Justin says, well, get a lobotomy. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, it's giving, this was written by a 40-something-year-old. I think he was in his 30s, because he was born in 1962. Okay. I guess that's interesting because it did give I can see that it would give someone in their 40s but I think that I think it works if he was also in his early 30s mm-hmm. but he also wrote Jag Smallville and oh. Heroes wow well known for his work on those shows Heroes used to be my show really okay? what was Heroes I even about loved Heroes. Uh, what was Heroes about it was about <sighs> a world in which a bunch of like normal people started getting powers Ooh. and they had to like figure they some of them were trying to figure out why there was a cheerleader who was played by Hayden Panettiere oh um it was yeah yeah it was really great and then I think in it ended at some time in the early 2010s and then they rebooted it in 2016 as Heroes Reborn um and Zachary Levi was in it if wow. I remember correctly okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really good. I used to love that. I'm like kind oh. of working on the on the project. You can tell when we enjoy the movie because we don't mm-hmm. even have that much to talk about. Anyway, <laughs> I've been like kind of trying to rewatch movies that mm-hmm. I watched back in the mid to late 2000s to early 20 teens. And mm-hmm. right now I'm on Revenge, the ABC oh. show. And Never watched it. You should watch it. Kenny watched it and it was always like crazy apparently it's so dramatic it's and you know what the thing is i remember exactly when what episode of the show that i was like okay we've jumped the shark that's enough (laughs) so i'm wondering if i'll even make it that far in this rewatch well we'll see yeah (laughs) um i just did that with scandal like it was the first time ever watching scandal and i just finished it it was crazy crazy last season insane i didn't even make it to the last season it was when both her mama and her daddy were both alive i said shonda you lost me i said shonda i will see myself out thank you that's That's in like season four yeah (laughs) yeah and you know what spoiler alert for revenge so skip 10 seconds if you don't want a spoiler for this 15 year old show okay when the same thing happened in revenge, both her mommy and her poppy were alive after the whole show was about her father being framed and then dying. I said, mm-mm, ABC, you lost me. Bye-bye. Yep. Was that also Shonda? No, that was not Shonda. Oh, okay. Because I was like, Shonda loves a good good surprise. Let, th- <laughs> let them stay dead. It's not surprising anymore. <laughs> um, But... The now that you talk about those tropes, those little buttons that kept popping up, I really enjoyed God. Yes, I really enjoyed that God was that um, was that race car driver, and I thought it was a real race car driver. I did look it up, Aww. and I was like, oh, it's just a guy who's acting. It's that, so funny because the, the race was... car driver he's playing doesn't even exist. Like, yeah, it's very funny because his acting was when he was talking to Justin as the race car driver. Actually, you know what? Maybe this was a calculated choice on his part because his God was pretty good. I liked him as God. Mm -hmm. But as a race car driver, he was really giving real athlete acting as themselves. Yes. (laughs) I think it must have been calculated. It had to have been, right? Because his God was so good. His God was really good. That's the other thing. The acting overall in this movie was fantastic. excellent it's not giving disney channel at all in any way no it's It's, giving released in theaters yes and 
it, thank you. It's getting released in theaters, y'all. This was never released in theaters. It wasn't. This was just a decom. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but if this is the if this is the quality of movie that you can make, why don't you do it every time? Every time. Why like, don't you? And this movie, the cast was so small. So small. It's just his his him, his brother, his mom, his dad, um, Mr. Souter, and then his brother's two friends. Barely. Barely. Like, everybody else was just such a secondary character. Yeah. Like, the cast even was so Joel small. Mc- even Joel McKinnon Miller from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Was like, he came in at like the last minute, was like a problem for about a hot second. A hot and then second. it was resolved. Yes. And, and I feel like when a cast is that small, you can really just bring in heavy hitters and have them knock the ball out of the motherfucking park and just deliver mm. amazing performances. Like, we don't need 35 different characters trying to tell their, like, little stories within the larger story. Yeah, that's true. Because the focus truly was on... Justin the whole time. Yes. But even when his brother was kind of a focus, it was his brother in relation to Justin. Exactly. Exactly. Disney, come on. You've you found the formula. And then you decided to ignore it. You threw it away. Because you know what? The, there are some decoms that Disney showed consistently over and over, right? Mm-hmm. And in the past, when we've watched decoms from the same era as Xenon and the same era as Johnny Tsunami that Disney mm-hmm. just, you know, let go of, I've been like, you know what? It makes sense. Thank you for releasing us and thank you for saving us from that. Mm-hmm. This movie, this movie, they could have kept on the roster for much longer. And I'm and giving myself away now. <laughs> this movie. I, we have been, we have been giving ourselves away they could have kept this on the roster for a long damn time i mean i remember watching this movie and i would always cry yeah i had i watched this movie all the time and i would still cry every time i watched it and this time around watching it i got a little scared that i wasn't gonna cry because we were almost at the end and i hadn't cried yet i teared up i think when i saw the I think actually at the very end I teared up. I think I teared up a little bit when his brother bought in the, the reporters. Uh huh. Oh, and we'll talk about him in a we'll second. We'll talk too. about him in a bitch ass. But, we'll talk about him in a second. <laughs> but I did. I I started to cry when I saw the kids when he asked the question: Are the kids in heaven? Are they perfect? Mm-hmm. And then God showed him. I could cry thinking and about God it. God said yes. God said yes. And then all the kids were in wheelchairs. I said, <laughs> oh and my that's God, I'm literally crying. Um, <laughs> and that is good storytelling right there. Thank you, Greg Beeman. Listen, me, I'm not a movie crier, okay? And I don't take particular pride in the fact that I'm not a movie crier. I'm just stating a fact. <laughs> but did my heart swell? Taiwan's really crying right now, y'all. She's crying. I put my tears away. <laughs> they hurt. I mean, that is so powerful. Yes. Just, I mean, that is such a powerful message. That was gorgeous. Just And also... In this movie, when they first, whenever, when they first asserted that, you know, um, Justin isn't special, he's normal, you know, Mm -hmm. I loved that. And then for that to also just pivot into Justin is not special, he's perfect exactly the way he is. So saith the Lord. (laughs) Yes, yes. It was just perfect writing. I mean, yeah, chef's kiss, serve that up on a platter. If there is Give it to one that thing, man who yells. 
Gordon Ramsay. Yes. <laughs> I've been watching so much Kitchen Nightmares and I still forget his name. Oh, okay. do you really? That wasn't a joke? No. Wow. His name was not coming to me in the moment. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, Gordon Ramsay would love this movie if uh, Master Chef Junior has taught us anything. He would eat this right mm. up. It would be like, wow, delicious. Um, <laughs> if there is one thing about this movie that I, 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 I might have some questions about, Mm-hmm. is the insistence that Justin can't join the baseball league for kids with, um, for like disabled oh, kids. Yes. yes. And, but I also, I know, I feel like I know that kind of mom. Yes. Who's like, I'm so afraid to tell, like, I want my child to feel as normal as possible. So I'm just going to make sure everyone bends in a certain way, but also being like, th- acknowledging the fact that people have to bend is too much. Mm-hmm. So like I I could see that mom I very see easily. It. And I definitely yeah. think that uh, what's her name? I forgot her name immediately. Molly Hagen. Molly Hagen plays the fuck out of a mom. Oh, so good. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so she she sold the performance and I yeah. bought it. But on a separate layer, I have questions. I do have questions. <laughs> You know, yeah, that league does exist, and if your son wants to play baseball, let him play baseball with that people. with them. Yeah, and he can still win a trophy. <laughs> Truly, come on now, come on. <laughs> that was my um, one question. Yeah. and I would actually be very interested to hear what like wheelchair bound people mm-hmm. have to say about this movie and how they feel about this movie. Yeah, I would be interested in seeing that as well, because I know that like we're talking about it from our very able-bodied perspective with mm-hmm. sort of our, you know, preconceived notions of what it is to be wheelchair-bound. You know what I mean? But I will also say this. I loved how feisty they made Justin. Yes. Because movies have a tendency to make the like the characters in wheelchairs just quieter, more pitiful, more... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they were mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah. I, and I think um, seeing the videos of him at the end, I could see that that was his personality yes. just in real life. Yes. So you can't write him that way because he was never going, you know? Yes. Like, I loved how true, it, like, I felt like I knew him mm-hmm. um, and exactly the kind of child he was at that age based on this movie. And then seeing those videos, I felt like I was validated. Yes. And feeling that way. And also... I love that this movie didn't make him a perfect kid, which is what the instinct always is with these. Mm-hmm. With, also with New Disney, I think we need to release ourselves from the need to make the protagonist a perfect person. Yeah. Let's stop it. Because Justin pretended to be a different age so that he could maybe beat a younger kid at chess and win a trophy. <laughs> like, you know, that's funny. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he lost. If he won, then it's terrible. But it's funny, you know? Yeah. He consistently defied Vic. And then yep. every time that it blew up in his face, he's like, but I was just, you were just what, Justin? You were just what? Trying to steal a box out of my garage. Going into the shed that I told you not to go into. Hmm. And I and I enjoyed that they really made him, yeah, they made him not a perfect kid. But they also did this thing where I was worried. This was the other thing I was worried about. I was worried that they were going to make him too adult mm-hmm. in his thinking because there were certain times where I was like, that is just not how a kid would say it. But when he said things like that, like I, um, the scene where he was talking to Mr. Souter, um, and he said, 
he said that line that he said he always says because uh-huh. people have asked him that question enough times that he just memorized this answer. Yes. And I was like, I I thought in that second, I was like, oh no, they are doing the thing that I fear. They're making him too much of an adult. Yeah. But he's a 12-year-old boy. And then he said that and I went, oh, they're they're aware of that. Yes. They're aware of that trope and they're, they know they're not going to fall down that way. Yes. And the only time that I think that they came dangerously close, if not, you know, just stepping slightly over the line of making him a little bit too grown up, was when Mr. Salter, or as I call him, Vic... Uh, (laughs) was when he was telling him about the death of his wife and his family and his deep depression and how he like the only mistake he made was that he didn't die like he like he wasn't strong enough to die i said this this is a baby Uh, victor Uh, (laughs) this is an era of disney where i was like oh shit they're like discussing really real shit Mm -hmm. on our screens right now yeah and as a child I didn't fully understand that. Like, I never don't, I don't think I ever understood that that man had been alluding to killing himself. Yes. Okay. So like, just Disney, hear me right now. Know that you can get that deep and you can make those illusions and, and it's fine. Yes. The kitties won't know. But I will say, I do wish he was having that conversation with one of the parents, like Justin's mom. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, but another thing that this movie very clearly alluded to was the parents having sex. Yes. <laughs> that was great. I love that. Yes. Oh my gosh. And they didn't need to. Like, they didn't have to do that, but they were like, let's make these parents real people. Yes. Yes. And that was that was amazing to me, too. I made that note as well. Mm-hmm. But in response to the um, previous thing about him, he should have had that conversation with his parents being present. Not even with the parents being present, just with, with only one. Yes, with one of the parents. Oh, I see. You were saying he should have said that to one of the parents. You know what I mean? Of, because okay, that makes more sense. Because I was gonna say, well, to, like it, in fairness, I loved that Justin said. Oh, there was a great quote that he said, and I and I wrote it down. So let me find it really quick. Okay. He said, um, "Oh gosh, where is it?" Oh, here it is. Um, when you spend half your life in hospitals, you get used to the idea of death. Life, that I'm still working on. Mm, yeah, that was a great um, quote. And hearing that, I was like, I mean, it really encompassed his the way he the, the way he moved through life and the comedy that he kept invoking in this movie. Yeah. And so he had talked about, I think right bef- in like a couple of scenes before that when he's helping him like clean up his house and the lawn and all that stuff, he's he talked about how he thinks about death a lot to this older man. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that later on, when he's finally, when Vic is finally breaking down, allowing his walls to break down, he's like, Oh, we've talked about death and how, <laughs> you know, Justin has thought about death a lot. Yeah. 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 And has to deal with that potentially being in his future as a young kid. Um, and I think he just felt comfortable. That makes sense. Like, that makes sense. You know? I just thought yeah. it was, I thought there was a layer more than I think, an 11 or a 12 year old should be receiving. You know what I mean? But I also understand because he was reflecting on how Justin has basically brought him back to life. Like mm-hmm. he was in the, he was in a, in a, in a stasis basically. And he wasn't moving on. And Justin is teaching him how to live life again. Mm-hmm. So that's valid. And I completely understand that. Loved. I loved their relationship. I loved it like, too. 
it was so beautiful to see the story, the like arc that Vic went through mm-hmm. of being the mean neighbor. He was never really mean. He was mean. Mean how? What he do that was mean? Remember when the kids were just playing basketball on the street like normal 90s kids? And then he drives by and yells at them and said, you're going to get killed. Yeah, because they were going to get killed because they were playing basketball on the road. Kids did that all the time in the 90s. That okay. was normal. And they were going to get you killed. See them, you see them and you slow down. It's a residential street. Are you going to be going 50? Look, you're going 25. All slow I'm down. saying, he said, if y'all don't move, I will I will drop you like bowling And you don't pins. think that that's mean? He just threatened to kill children. He didn't threaten to kill them. He said, get out okay. the way. He said, you're yo, get tricks, killed. get out the way. And he said, you're going to get he killed. Didn't say, he didn't say, get out of the road or I will kill you. Yes, he said, you're going to get killed. That's, I've said that. I've said that to those annoying-ass South Philly children who bike in the opposite direction in the middle of the road. Was I going to run them over? He was no. Mean. He didn't have to yell at them. I yelled at him. That's mean. And then one of them hawked a big old loogie and tried to spit it inside my car. <laughs> <laughs> it was disgusting and it was <laughs> and it was bright red I was like Ew. This- <laughs> yes. Ew. But, like, but luckily I had like wound up my window oh my god in time so it didn't actually come into my car cause it was like literally easily 15 kids riding in their little bicycles no more than they were probably between like 9 and like 13 and they were all riding in the opposite direction on 2nd street right so mm-hmm. I was like slowing. I slowed down. It was in the summertime. My windows were down. And I said, and I yelled at her. I was like, get off the road. Otherwise, someone's going to run you over. And because, not that I was going to run them over, but because I was concerned for their safety. Mm-hmm. And then they parted way. Some of them went on the sidewalk. And this one kid got really, really close to my car and was staring <laughs> was staring me deep in the eye. And before I realized what was happening, I saw him just pursing his mouth like he was ready to spit something at me and it was like everything was happening in slow motion and I was like winding up my window as quickly as I could and the spit just blip and it was red ew <laughs> ew very disgusting very disgusting um like learn some manners come and get your kids off these streets but also to be fair they live in a city if you were living in a suburb the way that I lived in a freaking suburb growing up, we were always running through up and down the streets. Let's listen. And I hear that, but I also don't think that Mr. Saunders was saying that he was going to run them over. I think it was coming from a place of concern. Thank you. You saw him looking crabby. And he can look crabby mean. if he wants to. It's mean. his face. It's his face. It wasn't his face. We saw him smile. Eventually. Exactly. He was being mean before and then he became nice. He wasn't even being mean. He said, get up. Prove get my out point. the way. You proved my point. I didn't get you up. I didn't point. prove your point. Because. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't think he was mean. I don't think the movie did enough to establish that he was mean. He was just mm-hmm. unfriendly. And those are two different things. Okay. Unfriendly people are perceived as mean to society. Perceived. I don't think he was That's mean. That's all that matters. That's not all that matters. Perception is not reality. Um, perception about who you are to people is your reality. And I'm saying that I didn't perceive him as mean, just unfriendly. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, I, um, God, I wrote too many quotes down, to be honest, in this. But just to say, just to, like, name the thing, Frankie Muniz was a most, was, like, one of the most fantastic child actors to ever be on our TV screens. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I 
watched Malcolm in the Middle growing up, so like I always thought that, but just damn. Even from like, that he young was literally, age, yeah, he was literally like the perfect kid to be Justin. Mm-hmm. He's so spunky. He he knows exactly how to embody the comedy, but also the like the deep emotion that comes with with being a child in that situation. Mm-hmm. Man, I was just so stinking impressed watching yeah. this movie. But yeah, on like Vic and Justin's relationship, what mm-hmm. I loved so much about it is that Vic really understood Justin to be a child, right? Mm-hmm. Because Justin wrecked his car. Right. Mm-hmm. And a truly mean person would have been like, don't you step foot in my property. Like he gave Justin a chance to rev- to fix his wrong. To, like, you know what I mean? To fix mm-hmm. his wrongs. Right. When Justin broke into the shed and really, really upset Vic. Vic, of course, had that blow up because he was triggered and it hit him in a very sensitive spot. But when Justin came to apologize... He obviously didn't let it all go completely, but he was receptive to a conversation mm-hmm. with Justin and like, receptive of his apology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think he he just really, he was stern, but he also just really understood Justin to be a child. Yeah. And I loved that. And I agree with that. Yeah. I, and I really like that. I, I noted that too. Like, I was like, wow, so he just let Justin back, <laughs> back into his yard after destroying his car? I don't know if I would have. Yeah. I don't know if I could have done it. I think I would have just been like, okay, don't ever, don't ever step foot in my yard again. I never want to look at your face. And I would have ignored that family for the rest of the time. <laughs> because you know, you know that car and like fixing it up and keeping it in that, um, in that condition, you know, that cost him a shit ton of money. A shit ton. And, and as far as we could tell, he was, um, he was a, what was it? What, what are those cars? Like a tow truck driver. Mm-hmm. He was right? also a mechanic. Oh, yeah, and also a mechanic. And actually, mechanics make pretty good money. They so. do make pretty good money. And also, he and Gun- Ooh, I, let, me not, let me not say that in a joking way. He was also only working for himself, so he was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you still didn't say it in a joking way, but I heard where the joke was going to go, okay? Just want to let you know I heard you. I received it. I'm going to hell. No, but he was really only... Um, it was a one-income household for a one-person household. Mm-hmm. So he probably had cash to spare. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what were some? Oh, uh, his brother Seth, the actor who played him, was in Brink. Oh yeah, I was trying so freaking hard to to remember where he was from, and I didn't. I couldn't remember. Uh-huh. And so I finally looked it up right before getting here, and he was in Brink. Mm-hmm. And that's why he looks familiar. D- uh, Disney deviant friends. Okay. Um, but he was also fantastic. He I was. Think he did a great job of embodying that. Um the neglected older sibling. Yeah, because I truly did hate him at some points. I did. And I also, it was so funny because I wrote this one note where I started to write it and I was like, what an asshole. And then I literally looked at it and I was like, wait, wait, no. He actually is, like, I can actually see his perspective. And while I'm annoyed because I'm like, well, why aren't you thinking about how your brother must feel every freaking day watching you get to use your legs and run around and play sports? And not necessarily get to participate in them himself. Mm-hmm. But I can also understand feeling like you don't get attention from your mother and father because your brother needs all of the attention. Yeah. Because he could die at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really, really hard for me to reconcile in mm-hmm. this movie. Mostly because, mostly because, you know, we, we go through a journey of him being openly against Justin 
being secret secretly against justin because when he has that conversation with his dad he basically lies and is like why is it that i'm the only one who cares if he dies when that's not really what the issue is you know what i mean i i really don't think because i really don't think that's what it was I really don't like I listen well that could have been part of it let me let me give him that I think that could have been part of it but I also think that part of it was very much rooted in him just resenting the amount of attention that Justin was receiving from his dad I think I think that that was a large part before that moment you think so I think I think after I think after oh, that moment, after it Justin was almost like dies, after Justin almost dying. I think it was all like I just watched my younger brother almost die doing this sport, and for some reason, you guys are perfectly okay with him doing it again. That's strange to me. I guess, but then I think I think the movie should have sold that to maybe maybe I'm overthinking it, but I for me, I didn't see him let go of that one part before we went into this other part. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I would have loved to see him getting more into Justin Racing against his will. Like, looking more at Justin Racing than reading the book. You know what I mean? Oh, I liked that it was... I liked that it was this sudden turn. Interesting. Because I liked that it was that up until then, he was, like, really, like, annoyed about it. And then he realized the fragility of life and was like, actually, I... My brother almost died. Mm-hmm. And you know what? he almost died and we're and he's he he personally wants to keep doing this thing that almost killed him because he's so determined to like be able to to do a sport and win a trophy at something mm-hmm. i'm gonna support him now that's fair no i definitely I like see where you're coming turn. from mm-hmm. i think i just for me that was a little bit unclear do you understand mm-hmm. what i'm saying because also the secrecy around the message all that stuff because the that, the, the the voicemail Oh, oh yes. You know what I mean? Before that moment, because it hadn't really been. And I guess that conversation with his dad was them being like, no, it's not about the trophy anymore. But I would have loved for part of that conversation to be, that's how I felt before, but now I don't care about whether or not Justin wins a trophy. I just want him to be alive. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I would have loved for an acknowledgement. I thought that's what he, I thought him saying that showed me that. Oh, interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. that's valid. Him saying, like, I just watched him die, and you guys are going to let him do that again? Or watched him almost die, and you guys are going to... Are you dense like you're going to let him do that again? That showed that to me. That that's was the fair. conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. And I... Yeah, that's fair. I think maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit. And honestly, it didn't bother me that much. Like, it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I was like, wow, I can't believe they didn't resolve this. Like, it didn't bother me that much. It was just something that I noted. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. But I did love his, like, kind of abrupt shift... In the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we. I really didn't hate this movie at all, clearly. Yeah. And there was just one thing I saw in my notes, and now I can't remember what it was, that I was like, eh. That was the only thing I have to say I didn't love. But now I don't remember what it was. Um, Oh, I, did, I thought of something, one thing that I didn't love. Mm-hmm. I really didn't love the dad's whole speech about how he doesn't root for Seth because he can't imagine only rooting for one kid. Yeah, that was a weird thing. That, that was a weird was speech. A and terrible I was trying, thing. I was trying, but did okay. So this was the thing. Did he say sometimes I feel like I don't root for you because of this? Like, was he saying he doesn't? Like, was he definitively saying that, or was he just trying to be vulnerable in that moment and like try and figure out why he doesn't prioritize Seth sometimes? That's what I think was confusing to me is that I didn't know 
which one it was. Yeah. Like, are you actively, like, not actively or, like, subconsciously not making time for Seth? Because the thought of rooting for only Seth is so unbearable to you. Which also doesn't make sense to me because if your wife and Justin himself can root that excitedly for Seth, then why can't you? I think... I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that that's a lot. But again, I think that things like that hit people in different ways. I think the father was just so, like, so, I think the mom in her own way, right, wanted Justin to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. And so her idea of making, of allowing him to have a normal life was push, like pushing him or pushing other people to let him do as many things that Seth can do as possible. Mm-hmm. But the father's idea of allowing him to have a normal life or to feel good about uh, a normal life in which he could feel good about himself was to help him find something that he could be good at without having to change who he is, who he is, or feel like people had to bend Bend. to him. Sure. So I think I can understand, I can understand the logic if I think about it that way, Mm -hmm. where he's like, well, I'll just be watching my son, like do like who clearly wants to play baseball not be able to play baseball and probably being a little bit sad, even though he is there cheering on his brother. Yeah. Right? And like, maybe he subconsciously couldn't bear that, but like, get, not me saying get over it, but get over it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I can understand that reasoning. And I wouldn't tell anybody in real life that like, that's a really shitty, re- that's really shitty re- reasoning. Because no, I mean, I hit people wouldn't. in different ways, yeah. right? But, but still, it, was, it made that me was annoyed. Rough I was to like, hear. It was rough to hear. And I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> and one thing that I will say that I really liked about this movie, well, actually, that's not true, because I guess the mom was kind of perfect, but, like, almost all of the characters had strong imperfections. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I loved, another thing I loved about the parents' relationship is that this movie was not afraid of them fighting or being on different pages from yes. each other. Yes. And I loved that. Yeah. And it and I think it's because uh it was handled the first time that it happened, it was handled with comedy. Mm-hmm. It was it was the courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. So that already like I think because that was their first argument, it really neutralized any other arguments they had. Mm-hmm. Where you were sure that like it wasn't gonna be the end of the world. Right. If they argued. Right. But even when um the dad misses Seth's game to make oh, Justin yeah. a handbrake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really loved that the mom was like, I'm so happy that you're doing this thing with Justin and for Justin, but what about Seth? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I liked that this movie flipped that trope on its head a little bit. Yes. Yes. Love that. Um, I would have to say the one thing that I didn't love about this movie was that they insinuated or at least through Justin, Justin insinuated that going to a therapist, what meant that you were crazy Mm -hmm. or that there was something deeply, deeply wrong with you. Yeah. And one thing I have to say is I'm shocked. Justin wasn't in therapy. Yes. That was shocking to me. Yeah. Um, but also just like I wrote, Oh, I hope this isn't the route they're going down because when he, when Justin asked about, um, where Seth was going and his mom was clearly like hiding something. I was like, Oh God, it's a therapist. And I really hope they don't make Make it it seem like going to therapy is like a weird thing. And then they let it go for so long. (laughs) 
<laughs> that I was like, hmm, they kind of just dropped that storyline. And that's the brilliancy of Greg Beeman. He was never going to drop a storyline. No. No. He sure he did wasn't. make it come back around, but it was in the way that I was really sad about. Um, something else that he did make a nice comeback around was how he was talking, how Seth talked about how he feels pressure. Um, mm-hmm. And he gets a stomach ache, and his stomach ache comes back when it looks like Justin might not be able to compete in the finale. Yeah. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I really loved that that was like a nice circle loop because like the fact that Justin's dream was might have been taken away was giving him anxiety. Yeah. I was terrified that that was going to culminate in him also having an illness that meant that he was going to die. <gasps> I said, Seth, don't, oh, I didn't no. even know Seth's name. But when the stomach ache issue kept coming up, I said, not an ulcer. Oh, no. Oh, not an ulcer. <laughs> but it oh, wasn't. God. Yeah, that would have been awful. Yeah. Nope. Nope, that wasn't it. Thank God. Thank God. And I liked, I also liked the, um, we met the girl, right, that he was going to race against at the end. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, they were like, well, we introduced her. She doesn't have to be a part of this story in yes. any huge way, but we introduced her. Yes. And then we see her again and they race and, I mean, her dad almost, I thought her dad, when he pulled open the hood, oh, I thought he was about to fuck up his shit. I thought so too. And all he did was he saw a handbrake and said, let me go report that real quick. I thought it was going to be an, an ice princess situation. Me too. Mm. Mm. Also, I can't wait till we watch Ice Princess. Yes. Oh, that, that should be coming up. Well, no, I no. guess not. We're only in 2000. Also, I'm not convinced it's a decom. It's not. It's not. But we'll do a little deviation. We'll do, we'll do just a small deviation. We see a, a cute little path along the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we already do Go Figure? No. <gasps> How could you forget that we haven't done Go Figure? I know. I was just like thinking, anytime I think about Ice Princess, I also think about Go Figure because I feel like they came out like relatively close together. Uh Uh-huh. Like I feel like Go Figure came out after Ice Princess because they were like, oh, ice skating movies. Yes. Is Go Figure a decom? Yeah. And I remember the the theme song for it. Go figure, go figure, when you change the rules of life. Things go on overnight. Yeah, 2005. Yes, I knew it. Okay, well, let's see when Ice Princess came out. I think that was... Actually, I think Ice Princess was 2006. Oh, 2005, okay. Yeah. Mm. But it was probably (laughs) first because it came out in March. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, I don't know how that came up. (laughs) Completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, so Ice Princess came out in March and Go Figure came out in June. Oh, so there's no way they were both in production at the same time. At the same time. Crazy. Disney said um, we're renting out the ice rink. We will be getting maximum use of it. <laughs> it's a wait, two for so one true. special. We have to watch. Wait, maybe we should watch those together and then see if they were shot in the exact same that's place. Hilarious. I want to know if Disney actually did do that. Yes, that's hilarious. <laughs> we're making a mental note now. Um, but uh, they had a great green screen in this Mm -hmm. movie that scene in the courtroom when the when the jury is made up of his parents Mm -hmm. instead of his peers i was like that's actually a really good green screen for this time and again disney if you could have done it that good then why were there other movies where it was done so poorly now now even yes now even come on come on we're embarrassed for you at this point (laughs) because we've seen what you can do and the thing, too, is, again, this is another one of those movies that because I haven't seen it before and because I have no history with it, it can be a true litmus test. 
mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I... So I don't even have any nostalgia points. I don't have any sort of biases towards this movie. And th- like this is what you can do. This is what you have the budget. This is what you have the ability to do. And we're faffing about because we need to have a musical. Let's release ourselves from the musical numbers. And I don't know... I guess also they're paying for like so many of their things now they're paid for hair, they pay for wig and everything's so much more expensive. So I get it. I get it. But Disney, you're also a multi-billion dollar company. Like figure and it out. On top of that, I think we like, I think they need some more just domestic about family life movies with yes. a small cast. Yes. We haven't had a nice based on a true story decom since the early 2000s. So maybe we should bring some back, Disney. Yeah. It doesn't have to all be from like your brain. It can yes. be from real life. And I promise you, people will support it. Yes. The kitties, they like it. Anyway. God, how long do you, how far away do you think we are from a Brink remake? Didn't we find out that they might be already remaking it? <gasps> no, hold on. I didn't say that. Maybe it's not true. It's probably not true. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm a liar and a fraud. Did, did you feel my anxiety through the phone just now? Yeah. I said, no. My credibility is going to be shot. No, what did you're we find fine. out that it was under wraps and we already watched it? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Whew, I think that's all of my notes, to be honest. I think. I think this was just such a freak, freaking good movie. And, like, not even just in a Disney Channel original movie way. Like, this could have been released in theaters in, in 2000, and I think it would have made a good amount of money, and kids would have seen it. Parents would have taken their kids to see it, and it would have made Disney a good chunk of change. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, this was... I, are we, I think we're ready for rating Yeah. this movie. Yeah. Taiwo, I think I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. And you're, I mean, you're so right. Like, this movie was a actually just a five out of five movie, y'all. Yeah. I cried. It made me cry. <laughs> and then it made me cry again on, the on this podcast. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Adesa, mm-hmm. I am going to say that you're going to give this a five out of five as well. I might be a stone cold bitch, but I will be giving it a five out of five. Oh, <laughs> you really got me there. I really thought you were about to be like, it's getting a 4.5. No, actually. I feel like the things that were wrong with it were kind of solved by the fact that this movie didn't have, didn't try to purport any of the characters as perfect people. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so a lot of the stuff that I would have found problematic in other movies just kind of didn't apply here because every single character, except for the mom, who's beautiful and perfect in every way, um, yeah is portrayed as a flawed human being who makes flawed human mistakes. Yeah, and the problems that they had weren't shallow. Like, when I'm thinking about this, suddenly zombies just popped into my head and I was like, God, all of their issues are shallow. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like... They just don't... It doesn't feel like there's anything real there. There's no real inner life to these people. It feels as if with zombies... what these writers have been doing is they reduce the issues to like the essence of the issue and mm-hmm. try to and like make that a statement rather than creating a situation that highlights that issue so that you can think about it critically. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. the if the if the issue was colorism, we don't need characters to be like, "Well, I'm yellow and you're green and that's why everyone hates us." Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. Agreed. Like, this was a fantastic movie. And speaking of zombies, join us next time as we watch Zombies 3. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you for real? I'm so for real. Oh, this is 
this is great. Zombies, it's so funny that that just popped into my head as an example for a really shallow movie. And here we are watching it next week after this five out of five. Yeah, it's the most recent decom. It came out last year. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, get ready for that, y'all. God, I don't... What could the storyline possibly be? We found out that it's going to be aliens, remember? Oh, it is a... And we found out that the main girl is going to fight. We think that she's going to find out that she's an alien. Remember, we oh, talked right. about that. Yes, now I remember that. Oh, and you know I hate aliens. Yes. I hate aliens. Yes. And, oh, okay. I'm not even mentally prepared for this one. <laughs> and also, the, the zombies movies are not mentally prepared for it either. Because we, remember, we were like, this is going to be a statement on immigration, isn't it? Oh. It is. Oh, okay. Well, get ready to watch that with us in two weeks' time. Um, in the meantime, if you want to send us a little note, you can always email us at DisneyDeviantsPod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. This year, my New Year's resolution is to get better about posting shit on our Instagram, okay? So my New Year's resolution, resolution please hold me to it, y'all. But um, you can follow us on Instagram at DisneyDeviantsPod. And you can follow me on TikTok at Adezed, A-D-A-E-Z-E-D, and confused. That's a desert and confused. Thank you so much for listening and we love you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye.